welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Train Pipe Bomb Productions. Ladies and gentlemen, let's proudly welcome back the one and only Mr. David LaFon. David, it's good to have you back, my friend. Hey, great to be back, Alex. Thank you so much for having me back on. It has been a crazy couple of months since I've uh, last been on here to talk to the Chaos Nation, but uh, very excited as we start off into 2023, and man, one hell of a dynamite tonight. Absolutely, and before we get started, I'm going to let everybody know that doesn't know that I do have an episode specifically planned with David. It's going to be an episode, Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair. We're going to talk about who's the bigger villain and why. So, ladies and gentlemen, effective later tonight or possibly by tomorrow morning, there will be a tweet and a poll on the Bear of Texas podcast Twitter page. Who is the better villain? And I strongly recommend you put your reasons in the comments. You tweet out your response because we will be mentioning that when we do the episode. So, and I look forward to doing that episode with you, David. And just so you know, we can do whatever you're ready to go. But tonight, yes, a hell of a dynamite, dynamite episode. But more specifically, tonight is a certain anniversary of a moment that basically changed the world of professional wrestling. Now, granted, a lot of moments in history have changed professional wrestling, but this particular moment is one that is very well known. January 4th, 1999, the day that Mick Foley not only put butts in a seat, but quite frankly, he put eyeballs on the TV screens. That was growing up. I was a huge WWE fan. Um, I would even dare say I was a mark. I was not big into WCW, but I did keep up with it because obviously I love wrestling. It was hot at the time. But I remember I wasn't going to watch Raw because it was a tape show. And it was that that comment by Tony Schiavone, you know, mankind who used to wrestle here as Cactus Jack is going to win the WWE championship tonight. That'll put a lot of hat butts in the seats. And I, th- I think it was like almost like 200,000 people immediately switched channel over just to see. I mean, Mick Foley is beloved in every way, shape and form. And I don't think there's anyone in wrestling, anyone who's a fan of wrestling, who didn't want to see him win that title. Um, and, and the way he did it was amazing. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that. But man, that pop when Austin came out in the middle of that match and then he had the DX versus the corporation. I mean, it was a perfect crescendo to just one of my favorite, probably my favorite wrestler of all time, and just a, a great human being in the journey that was uh, mankind. Absolutely. And we'll get to that because, you know, David, we saved the best for last, and this is no disrespect to AEW Dynamite, but tonight was a very, very interesting show. I mean, you know, the first, you know, AEW to take place in Seattle, Washington, I mean, this particular episode is, yeah, two hometown boys, Brian Danielson and Darby Allen, and it was a very, very interesting night for both. 
No, it, it absolutely was. Um, I mean, this, who knows, this may be, be a night we talk about. It goes down in uh, wrestling history as well. Um, Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson and MJF had a, a great promo segment. A great match with Bryan, as always, against Tony Nese. And, of course, Darby and Joe. Um, Darby, like, man, I, I hope he slows down. I want this dude to have a long career. And uh, he is he's so extremely reckless with his body, so just hope he stays safe. But um, as always, Darby pulls out all the stops. Samoa Joe is great. So it's a really great uh, main event to, to cap off a great Dynamite. And, you know, we'll dive into that a little later as well. Mm-hmm. And So, yeah, the first match, uh, you know, the opening bout, Chris Jericho and, you know, against Ricky Starks. And, of course, a number of weeks ago, that story out, Chris Jericho actually lost to a certain wrestler. Uh, I forget the name. I, I think it's Action Andretti, if I'm correct. Action Andretti. That yeah. is correct. And that match was actually compared to a famous match that, well, I'm too young to remember, but it was the day that a certain individual we know as X-Pac, of course, back one, then two, he was three known, kid, baby. The one, two, three kid beat well, Razor Ramon. <laughs> that actual match, he was known as the Lightning Kid. He didn't become the one, two, three oh, kid okay. after that. And I mean, Sean Waltman had, had been around for a while. Um, the, you know, aforementioned X-Pac, um, he, you know, had a, a great run and a great feud with Jerry Lynn up in Minneapolis. Um, that really kind of put him on the radar. I mean, he was, you know, definitely considered a light heavyweight. But I don't know if people realize that Sean Walton's like six feet tall. I, the dude is, you know, he's, you know, he's he's a big dude. Um, definitely looked a little, uh, you know, smaller compared to some of the others because that was the era of the big man. But I think he was the first person I ever saw hit like a moonsault. And when he hit that bloody block block on on Razor and Penny Monroe, I mean, that was huge. I mean, we never saw you know, quote unquote job guys getting wins like that. And just, it was, it was a shock. Um, I think it was one of those moments where even, you know, cause kayfabe was still alive and well back then. Like did, did something screw up? How was he able to beat it? You know? And so it was, uh, definitely, uh, one of the, a pivotal moment. I mean, definitely a pivotal moment. Definitely. And, you know, Chris Jericho hasn't really been the same since he lost, uh, the title back to, uh, Claudio and, no, the way he lost the title speaks within itself, but we remember the stipulation that if uh, if Claudio didn't win, he would have to join the the Appreciation Society. And when I saw that, I really said, "Yeah, he's definitely gonna have. They're definitely gonna put a belt on him because Claudio turning heel and joining the Society. Not only do I not see it, but if they were to do that, that would be one of the dumbest things ever." Oh yeah, I was actually there that night. I mean, Claudio was That's so right. ridiculously over. I was about four rows back from uh, ringside behind. Um, uh, Ian Riccoboni and um, Caprice Coleman. So, yeah, it was a, a great night. Um, you, had yeah, a moment, they, you had yeah, a moment, too. You had a moment with was... a heel wrestler. You should tell us about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, a little, little tangent here. So, and the uh, the first match that happened, it was Roosh and uh, Dragonlistico against, uh, I can't even remember. There's... So much has happened uh, since then. I honestly couldn't tell you who, who they were wrestling against. I do apologize, Nation. But uh, during the match, the match, of course, Preston Vance, this was after he took the mask off and he was 10 and turned on uh, negative one. He was out there. And I, when I go to the wrestling events, I am very antagonistic towards the heels. I like to get chance started. I like to have fun. Um, it's I love it. And I honestly, I had never seen Preston Vance without the mask. So I had no idea who he was. And so I remember um, shouted at him because, you know, everyone's yelling. He's flipping off the crowd. I'm like, I told him he looked like a broke-ass Conor McGregor. And I think I <laughs> popped him a little bit because he actually, like, quieted around. He goes, what did you say? 
I said, you look like a broke-ass Conor McGregor. He goes, yeah, well, you're a fat ass. I was like, well, that's fine. I can lose weight, but you still look like a broke-ass Conor McGregor. <laughs> so it was, um, as, as a huge fan of wrestling and a, a huge fan of the heels, it was definitely a kind of a, a mark-out moment just to to get that that uh, reaction from him. And uh, it, it was a great night, man. Uh, FDR and Briscoes were amazing. Um, Willow Nightingale's great. Athena was over as hell. I love the finish of the main event. I love Cesaro actually getting a win with the giant swing. I thought that was great. It was. uh, And that's something we have in common. I mean, I'll never forget at the Major League Wrestling event that I went to during WrestleMania weekend last year, I actually got a heel reaction from Julius Smokes. So that that was pretty cool. So getting a reaction from a heel wrestler, I mean, it 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 just something that feels good. Yeah, it adds, I think, It's definitely something we're just so well so well remembering, I could honestly say. So um <clears throat> so David, uh after the first match uh, with the Ocho um and uh, R- Ricky Starks, uh to see it opening the way it did, um, you know, af- you know, the the way uh, Jericho, you know, got the loss, uh, you know, I don't really know exactly what they have moving forward for Jer- for Jericho, but uh you know. I'm really not uh, sure. I'm not, who, I'm not sure exactly what the future is for the Ocho. I mean, it's whoever gets hot at the right time. Jericho's going to insert himself into a program with him and try to suck the life out of him. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm, so, but, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. The whole, you know, there was way too much afterwards, and but you know, to to kind of pivot off that, can we talk about how good Ricky Starks is? Yeah, we might as well. I mean, the fact that Jericho, you know, the fact that Jericho is putting him over, I mean, there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, he is one of those guys. I know he had, uh, you know, some of the run, little bit of run, I think, in MLW and a pretty big run in NWA. But, you know, I, th- I think for all things considered, he is kind of an AEW original. Um, and I'd love to see him highlighted a, a little more because he's got it all. He's got the package. He's got the look. He's right in the ring. Um, he's got a great finisher with the Rochambeau, his spear. He's not the biggest guy, but he looks like he's absolutely just ripping you in half when he hits it. Um, money on the mic, really, really good shit. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do with him. Um, I know we had the, uh, you know, the match with MJF. And I guess that was kind of a one-off with him winning the the tournament and the the Diamond Ring Battle battle Royal or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm more interested in seeing what they're going to do with Ricky Starks. Um, just because I think the dude's got a hell of a future, and he's just—he's phenomenal to watch in the ring. Well, Jericho basically has this role. I mean, aside from wrestling, I mean, he's a coach. He's got a, a kind of thing in creative. So I think Jericho knows that. While he, I'm sure he can still deliver more, but I think at this point he's basically at a point where you know at this point he's going to have to start getting. Yes, he, he knows that at this point the biggest thing out of him is to probably get the guy is get the you know the younger guys over. So I mean I don't know. We'll see. I mean the fact that. You know uh, that Starks was actually trapped in the walls of Jericho and then came out of it. I mean, I think that they did. They actually went a little bit further than, than just simply put the guy over. I mean, they went to a, to great lengths a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, they they he survived, he survived a shot <laughs> with a bait with Floyd the baseball bat. Survived the walls of Jericho and everything. So, and you know, I'll give uh, credit where where credit is due because um, you know we've talked before. My phone is in Jericho, but it is. You know, does says a lot that he he put over action Andretti one way to kind of make it look like, you know, this surprise thing where anything can happen and then bumped his ass off to put Ricky Starks over and have, uh, you know, Ricky, Ricky looking like a star. So kudos to Jericho for that. 
Yeah. But it was, it was just an absolute great match. Um, you know, I like the uh, Afton Andretti coming out with the steel chair. The continuity is good. But, I mean, we'll have to see where it is. The Jericho Appreciation Society, I think um, 2.0 or Everize, whatever you call them, Mac, Daddy, and Angela Parker, those guys are great. I had a lot of fun with them at the show, too. Um, I could care less about Jake Hager or Jericho. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hager. <laughs> Well, so as we know, um, moving on, uh, we know that John Moxley and uh, Hangman Adam Page have there's a bit of a rivalry going on, and you know the whole thing with Moxley. I mean, how the whole thing with MJF just died immediately because of the uh, the departure of William Regal. And when I did the episode, I it was pretty it was pretty mind boggling because you know I felt that when William Regal betrayed Moxley, I mean I, I really thought that Regal was going to be with the company for at least another year, but that that was something I already spoke about. But now they have. Moxley and, and and Hangman Adam Page in a program, but you know right now I think Hang, Hangman is injured. I'm not sure if it's legitimate or not. Uh, do you? Oh know? no, it's 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 got to be storyline. If he actually had those concussion issues, they wouldn't be letting him do the boulevards and stuff like that. So there, there's no way it's real. Um, the ankle's been great, man. It, it's really good. Um, and I thought tonight Hangman had one of his best promos. Um, I love the, you know, I'm gonna knock your dick in the dirt. It got a little, you know, you didn't let me get a word out before you were crazy. You know, you made a joke and kind of like, okay, every, you know, don't be a bitch. But I feel he really kind of brought it back. And uh, I'm actually into it a little bit. I'd love to see, see what, what him and Moxley are are gonna do. Um, Moxley definitely has that unique style that, um, you know, not everyone's a, you know, um, I love it. You know, um, he's he's very unique. He reminds me of like a, a very bruiser Brody type. I mean, he's just going to go out there and beat the shit out of you. And the only knock against him, I would say, is if he, you know, waves too hard at someone, he starts bleeding. But other than that, it's it's been built really well. I love where they have Hangman Page, you know, talking about his concussion issues. And he couldn't remember his son's name or the face and just... I think it's uh, it's the the build to it's really good, and I think it's going to be a pretty good payoff. It is, and uh, I think uh, right now they're saying, of course, in storyline, uh, the next week they're going to be in Los Angeles, so we'll see what, where things go from here. But, but I'm, I'm telling you, you know, the way that they spend so many, you know, at, at first everybody was upset with how badly Pangman was being booked, but then I kind of figured, well, I mean, he's still, you know, he's still being used on television sporadically. I mean. That's what's one thing, but we just have to wait till we see. But but when how how uh, Heyman said, and I quote, "John, I will knock your dick in the dirt." Unquote. I mean, wow. There you go, right there. I mean, see, that's what I like about AEW. I mean, you know, you, you really let the you really he really lets the guys you know be themselves. Like he lets them you know go off a little bit with the promos. I mean, we've seen MJF do it. I mean, John Moxley cut two f bombs. So <laughs> yeah, the uh, I felt like part of me kind of felt bad because like. You know, it's the new year, and they got this new set, and then their mic starts screwing up. So, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, that's that's definitely not a not a good look. You know, you know, for the company as a whole, but those things unfortunately do happen. You know, going back to Hangman, I, I the the issue with with me that I had was he had this great build, and then you know they're building him to be a champion, and then he had his kid, and so he took three months off, which I, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm a dad, you know, that I have two kids myself. I would have done the same thing. It's just they immediately brought him back, had him win the the casino chip, and then immediately put the title back on him without any type of rebuild. And so I think that's why his his title reign was pretty lackluster and forgettable. 
if you don't count any of the stuff that he did with CM Punk, which is, you know, memorable for for other reasons. Uh, absolutely. See, that that's always the problem I have. Like you have to you have to build it up like throwing it like that. I mean, no matter how popular the wrestler is, I mean, even if it was it was Jericho, Danielson, whatever, they always have to be built up. Yes. And I, you know, you know <laughs> Tony, Tony Khan has said in the past that he books these things years in advance and he has a certain way, you know, where he wants it to go. But, you know, obviously Hangman decides to take three months off in the middle of this. I mean, you you can't continue that when he comes back. You got to be able to pivot, which I will say he's probably definitely learned from that because the you know the William Regal thing, the thing with Punk, the thing with Elite, all the stuff he's had to do on the fly recently has been you know the best he's can with with the the circumstances. And so, so definitely exactly props to Tony for that because it has been a just constant barrage the past three or four months of you know setbacks and hurdles and all this you know random shit happening for lack of a better term. Absolutely. I mean, that's how it is in the pro wrestling business. You plan, you plan, and you plan. Something unexpected happens out of nowhere, then you have to quickly improvise. I mean, that that basically comes with the territory. It comes with the territory. Yeah, Yeah. definitely, definitely getting better the longer he books. Absolutely. Then we got we had the AEW World Tag Team Championship, the acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Um, that scared the shit out of me when they did the false finish with Lethal and with TNA 2.0 going over. I was about to lose it. I have <laughs> never liked Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> like, the dude's got a good mind for the business. He started in TNA. He's been in it forever. He was born into it. I just find him boring. Um, the only thing I've ever liked from him is slap nuts. I'll just never forget uh, in the Attitude Era when, when he, had, he used to wear the T-shirt that would say, don't piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I've never never been a just, I, he's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's just not my cup of tea. I love Jay Lethal. The Acclaimed are, it's ridiculous how over they are right now. I mean, it's just the whole scissor me and then the rap that Caster had. The was it uh, the wrestler with talking about Karen and Kurt Angle and just oh my god it was so good oh. everyone was watching I guarantee this popped a, this segment had to have popped a rating because everyone was like is Jarrett really gonna go out there and just knock the shit out of him and then Bowens I think would have stomped his ass but um, they had me with that false finish man and dude I was mad I was texting my group I'm like I'm done I'm not watching this fucking show anymore <laughs> and then they restarted it so. Well, speaking of restarting the match, another hometown hero, Aubrey Edwards. Hmm. The most animated referee in the world. God bless her. Dude, like, she... I, I get that she gets into it, but sometimes it's just so damn distracting. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was, she's, it was that, she's that referee that just doesn't... You know, does, she's, not, she's not afraid of anyone. I mean, the, the way sometimes she, she <laughs> that, that look she gives, it's like... It's almost like being a little kid, being warned by his mom, stop that, or, or whatnot. But I got to give Jarrett props, though, on the uh, when the two referees were, when she came in and uh, Aubrey was talking to the ref, like he had his foot on the rope. If you watch it, Jarrett, like, gets in between them and starts, like, pushing her away so they can't talk, and I just, I thought it was good. But, I mean, what can we say about the acclaimed, man? They're, they're it's, it's bonkers, however they are. Um, it is, yeah. I mean, they're great. They're no FTR, but who is? Um, but no, they're awesome. I love Bowens. I love Caster. Um, I love the rapping. You know, I remember seeing them uh, 
December 2020? No, 2021. Uh, I can't remember. 20 or, 2020 or 2021 when uh, Dynamite was in Garland, Texas, and just to see kind of their growth. I think they were on the under on the dark episode against the Hollywood Blondes, and just to see their growth as a team, and uh, again that homegrown AEW talent that I'm I'm glad they're finally building around those guys. It was it was great. Scissor Absolutely. me, scissor me, Bear Man. <laughs> so then, then we had the match, but then I think after the match uh, backstage, they did it. They they, they were interviewing uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, alongside the AEW Women's World Champion Jamie Hayter, and. Of course, that that promo on Soraya and all that sort of about about the mystery tag team partner. Because next week there's the match. I think Britt ba- Dr. Britt Baker and and Jamie versus Soraya and, and the mystery partner. I'm really wondering. I wonder who the, who this mystery partner is. Like, uh, do you have a guess? I mean, later on in the program, of course, spoiler alert. They she say that it's going to be Tony Storm, being the way that Hikaru Shida looked at her. I'm hoping Shida turns heel, takes out Tony, and then. We'll we'll see it'll you know if if it's not someone who's currently with the company or someone who's known to be with the company I would say either Mandy Rose or Mercedes Monet. Um, oh yes. But we'll see, yeah. honestly, for me this is a stopgap. I need Britt to go ahead and turn on Jamie, and I want Jamie and Britt. I want like a three month, three four match program. Um, Absolutely. Britt is amazing. Hater is just, yeah, she's incredible, dude. I absolutely love Jamie Hayter. The match she had with Sheeta a couple weeks ago, absolutely. the match she had with Tony Storm at Full Gear. Um, I'm I'm ready for that feud. You know, we got to get through the uh, through this little interlude with Soraya. Um, you know, um, FKA paid, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I just I love listening to to Hayter and uh, Brett on the mic. They're great. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I mean, you know, seeing if, if that happens, and you know, with Jamie Hayter turning into a face, I mean, that'll certainly be interesting because you know we've I've never seen her. I've, I've, she's always been a heel, and she's a fantastic heel. And I have no doubt that she can she can do abs- just as good as a baby face as she can as a heel. And I would imagine that if Jamie Hayter, if Dr. Britt Baker does turn on her, and Jamie Hayter turns face, I'd imagine that she's going to align herself with Soraya. I mean, there's that you know that English connection, but. You know, yeah, you're absolutely right. A three to four month program between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Jamie Hayter, I would certainly love to see it. And, and, and we'll see. I mean, because I honestly believe if if Doc, if Jamie Hayter is portrayed by Britt Baker, I would imagine Hikaru Shida is going to turn heel and, and then go on, on Dr. Britt Baker's side. I mean, who knows? That would, could definitely be an, an, an interesting way to flip or, it up. Oh, you know, speaking of Mystery Party, you know who, who could possibly be? What if it was Thunder Rosa? Um, that'd be awesome too. I mean, we'll. I don't know how her her back currently is uh, due to my injury situation. I'm not listening to Busted Open, so I don't have any. Uh, shout out to Busted Open on SiriusXM. Um, I haven't heard any updates on her, but that would be a good one as well. Um, they got to I mean, finish the, the program with Tony Storm. I mean, that that program yeah. between with Thunder and Tony, they have to finish that unless they unless I, they, there's just really no need to, which I really don't see. Yeah, I mean, again, it's all going to depend on if she's healthy, what her status is with the company. Um, if I had to to guess at this point, I think it's going to be Sheeta takes Tony out, starting a feud between Tony and Sheeta, and then Soraya ends up getting either Mercedes Monet or Mandy Rose. Well, either so- way, I it, it, I think it needs to be someone big because um, they they've got to do some kind of jolt in this division. Um, you have like four or five 
you know, I would say really, really good, you know, wrestlers in the women's division. And there's a, a huge, a huge drop off, I feel. Absolutely. Well, Daniel Bryan and Tony Nese, I mean, match itself Best was something, in the but, world. but after what we saw after that, oh, man. How, two, two things I want to point out. One, obviously everyone knows MJF is, is money on the mic. I mean, the dude is absolutely ridiculous. So the fact that he's so young is just, it's insane, man. Like, just, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. But how far has Daniel Bryan come as far as his mic work, you know, as opposed to when he was at ROH and the rookie on NXT originally when he was in WWE? I mean, he was great. He was fantastic. Going toe-to-toe with the best, you know, stick guy in the business. Great segment. I love how he's like, it's going to, you know, MJF does the thing he always does. You're going to have to do the labors to get to me, even though he, you know, they kind of hit it this time because it's, um, you know, just regular matches that he has to get the ranking for, but it's essentially the same thing. But just, um, you know, Brian announced it was going to be a stipulation match. He's like, oh, so I can cheat in front of the ref. He's like, you dumb son of a bitch. It's going to be an Iron Man match. It was, it was brilliant. I mean, Daniel Bryan's one who pushed it on MJF. I mean, this whole promo yeah. was just exchanges exchanges of insults. I mean, you know, a, a, you know, based on you know the fact that all these all these particular names that were mentioned. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, 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 yeah, the the, the the fact that you know, I, I think you know, several many names were, were mentioned. I, I think uh, yes, and I'm not just talk about wrestlers, but a lot of like. Like and Jim, Cornette. I think yeah, Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette, Cornette Eric Bischoff, and yeah. uh, Disco Inferno, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, we'll say ten minute segment that I think made people excited about a pay per view that's two months away, which right. is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, the, the sixty minute Iron Match is huge, but you know, the result of it it, it kind of worries me because. Daniel, I mean, we all know, I mean, we all know MJF is, it, it, right now it's like, the way it is, it, this, this is a conflict. MJF yep. is very likely to be champion for a while, but the problem is if Brian loses, that's not good. That That's not good. Uh, I mean, it depends on how he loses. I, th- I think he's definitely going to lose, you know, it'll, it, 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 MJF has to go over, I think, in order to solidify his reign or, or what's the point. Um, but I, I think there's no way in hell he goes over clean. I think there'll definitely be some shenanigans. Um, and so I'm I'm really excited to, to see how it's going to play out. I think it's going to be a great feud. You know, have the self-proclaimed best in the world, who's this snarmy, smarmy, you know, <laughs> piece of shit. Um, and then you have Daniel Bryan, who, you know, really is the, the best wrestler in the world, in my humble opinion. And I think the build for it's going to be great. The match itself is going to be great. I'm I'm pretty freaking excited. Yeah, and I, I, you know, and, and I'm calling this right now. I bet you by tomorrow, uh, uh, Jim Cornette on YouTube is going to release a segment. Like they're going to say, Jim Cornette gives his thoughts on you know what MJF said. Uh, I mean, you, you've noticed. I mean, Jim Cornette always having always having some content. So whether it's right. to the drive-through or if it's the Jim Cornette experience, <laughs> but, I'm an avid follower of both. <laughs> I mean, dude's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've said many times. I mean, the way I mean, yeah, he he he's very you know vocal about his. He gives his thoughts on AEW. I mean, at the end of the day, people get mad. I'm like, dude, it's his opinion. <laughs> it's his opinion. You don't like, you don't have to agree with what he says, but it's his opinion. And 
Because a lot of people don't like it when I say I, I love Jim Cornette. So I'm like, well, he tells great stories. Can't deny that. I mean, he tells amazing stories. And when he talks about food, it's actually it's actually pretty entertaining. So, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, Jim Cornette, obviously, I mean, he's, you know, the controversy surrounding him. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, whether you like it or not, Cornette is an important figure in this business. No, speaking of Cornette, I'm, I'm pretty sure he may not have been a fan of the next match, which, of course, was A.R. Fox versus Swerve Strickland. Um, I was, though. I thought that match. Um, I got to see A.R. Fox team with uh, Cheeseburger at the ROH show. It, the dude's phenomenal. Love watching him wrestle. Mm-hmm. I thought the the match with him and, him and Swerve was, uh, was, was really good. Um, it's interesting to see what they're doing with the whole... Is it uh, Mughal Associates or Moguls? Muggles? Is it Muggles? Muggles, right? Oh, from, from, yeah. <laughs> With uh, Parker Boudreaux and that big tatted up dude, so. I mean, this is a rivalry that dates back from the days of Lucha Underground, so. Yep. That's so uh, good. Yeah. Yeah, the match was it as good, but then after that, of course, and like, as you mentioned, because I had forgotten that, that, that the whole mystery thing was... Uh, was ruined because I never would have expected to be Tony Storm, but. And I actually do apologize. It wasn't um, Cheeseburger team with Air Fox. It was Blake Christian. They're actually the ones who beat Rush and uh, Jack and stuff. So, quick clarification there. But yeah, um, I'm excited what they're going to do, man. Swerve's uh, very exciting to to watch in the ring. I thought it was a great match. I love the uh, AR when he rolled through the second rope and uh, got him in the, the front chancery and then kind of Floated over into a suplex. I thought that was just absolutely phenomenal. And then, yeah, was the uh, Soraya segment next? Yeah, and, you know, I mentioned again, it was revealed to be Tony Storm, but then uh, we really had a feeling Hikaru Shida, a heel heel turn is around the corner. Like, I just have a, we can feel it. We just don't know. It it could just happen at, at any second. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, that. If looks could kill, Tony Storm would be a corpse right now. Absolutely. Uh, well, Jade Cargill and Red Velvet versus Kiara Hogan and Sky Blue. Well, what's that? Though? We got we we got to mention the Ass Boys segment because you know they uh, essentially held a funeral for the the greatest tag team of all time, FTR. Um, had to get swerved with the music. Um, the the Gun Boys are great. I mean, they they've got. Their their dads, I think, is entering skills. They're much more charismatic. They seem a lot more comfortable on the mic than Billy ever was. Great segment. Can't wait to get FTR back. Um, but yes, Jade and Red against uh, Kira, Kira and Sky Blue, I believe. Yeah, Sky Blue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all, this is definitely building to a Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill. You know, whether it'll be a feud, a one match, a one off, or Jade just destroys her, we'll see. Have to see how that goes. Um, I mean, Jade, it's it's great watching her improve. You can definitely tell her working um, with Brian Danielson has has really really started to pay off. And uh, she's again, I think she's one of those people you can build a a division around one day. Um, she's only going to get better. I mean, a friend of mine's predicting one day we're going to see Dr. Britt Baker versus Jade Cargill. I mean, I'm I'm sure we will. But you know, what when you think about that, I ask myself. But who's the heel and who's the babyface and why? 
It's going to depend on, you know, where they're at in their trajectories at that point. But I think eventually you could, um, you know, um, Jade could be that that big, badass baby face. Definitely. I mean, I, th- I thought with that with that feud with uh, with Nyla Rose, I, I was actually I actually thought that I was actually surprised that Jade Cargill didn't even turn face from that. Yes, agreed. And I mean, I th- yeah. I mean, she was definitely, I think she was the face for that feud. Um, kind of ended kind of abruptly, and I don't, they didn't really carry over any of uh, th- that momentum, but we'll see what happens. We'll have to see what happens going forward with her and the baddies. According to uh, Bleacher Report, I mean, uh, this match didn't really get a good grade. It got a C. I mean, I, I, again, as, as we discussed earlier, you have, you have four or five women in the division that are really good, and, and then there's a huge drop off. Um, Jade, I think, is a bright spot. She is definitely getting better and improving. She's not quite <laughs> there yet, uh, but sky's the limit as far as her potential. No doubt about it. And, you know, and go back to FDR. I mean, F- FDR recently, uh, they were actually featured on, on the card for uh, New Japan's uh, Wrestle Kingdom 17, and and they dropped and they dropped the uh, the New Japan World Tag Team Titles. So, so I yep. wonder, you know, this whole thing was part of that too. I think so. I mean, in the last month, they have lost the ROH titles to the Briscoes. They dropped the AAA tag team titles to Dragon Lee Stowe and um, Dragon Lee. And then, of course, dropping the IWGP tables last night to Bishamon. Um, I mean, we'll have to see. I, I, I know the rumors and stuff are that their contracts are up in April. And, you know, you have people, oh, they're going to go back to WWE and, you know, get their back shaved or... They're going to do the indies and do that for a while. Either way, I think if they do end up back in WWE with the the new regime, I think they'll be featured as a top tag team. Um, Hopefully they take some time, heal up. I know Dax has got some shoulder issues, but I just hope we get a lot more of them in the future, no matter where it is. Um, AW, WWE's indies or whatever, people are still going to pay money to see them. They're still the best tag team in in wrestling. No, No doubt about it. Main event time, man. Darby Allen versus Samoa Joe, who was the, came in, you know, the TNT and Ring of Honor World Television Champion. You know, last week, did, did you see that particular segment with Sting, Darby Allen, and Tony Schiavone? Um, I caught kind of the TLDR of it, but basically, Sting kind of telling him to get his shit together. You see. I, I've I've had this particular thing before. I mean, I'll never forget when I was working with you. You did something similar to me, like, I mean, much like Darby Allen. Yeah, I was like, I was a kid, you know. I was told, you know, by everybody, even by teachers, but from kindergarten to third grade, I would never amount to anything in life. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It's it's about what you think. Like people told me my podcast would never succeed. I mean, I don't give a damn what people think. I mean, I always see it like this: if somebody tells you you can't do it. That's because you know it's because they know that they can. They want you to feel the same. Like, yes. I mean, just, and, and, and honestly, see, and seeing Sting still wrestle in such in such a good way. I mean, for a sixty three year old old dude, he still wrestles amazingly, and is and you know he's still great in, in the in the wrestling business. And Darby Allen is just you know been there since the beginning. I've always been a fan favorite. You know, like that. I've always been a huge fan. I mean, I always say that Darby Allen, the whole thing with the skateboard. I always say. Could you imagine if the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater gaming series, if they actually, if they actually made it, if they actually put Darby Allen in the game, could you imagine that? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, Darby, is, he, he's absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, he 
the way he hits the ropes, the way he, you know, his dives and everything. It's just the only thing I hope for is I, I, I don't want him to end up like Jeff Hardy or, you know, someone who, you know, by the time he's 35 years old, he can't walk um, or gets into pain pills or something like that. And I'm not trying to harp on Jeff. I'm just using this as an example because they have, you know, a very similar style as far as the recklessness, the artisticness. You know, that that's the only thing I worry about is is Darby doing all this and, you know, not having a, a long career and being able to enjoy, you know, later in life. Um, he just I mean, he puts absolutely everything into it. And I mean, what can you say about Samoa Joe, dude? He's he's Joe's a badass. Um, everything it does looks like it kills you. He's believable. He's a you know, he just looks like a bad motherfucker. Um it was a perfect uh balance i think between you know their their two characters i think they play off you know uh very good against each other you have darby as the you know never say die underdog you're gonna have to kill me to beat me and then joe just is this destroyer and um the the personalities and the the entering styles definitely play off of each other very very well i mean based on how this match went you could just easily tell that samoa joe wanted to put Darby Allen over as 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 much as possible. I definitely think so. Um I do. I think, you know, if especially if Joe is going to the new Ring of Honor or however they're doing that, um that would be that would be, you know, the way to do it is to go ahead and, and have him put uh Darby over, you know, with that TNT title. And then, you know, Joe goes to ROH with the, the television title. Yeah, totally. And, you know, the, the promo after that, you know, I mean, the pop and everything. I mean, see, some people will say that the only reason why they put the belt back on him is because it, it was in Seattle in Darby's hometown. I mean, look, in Darby, I mean, ever since, you know, he, when he, he's, he hasn't been champion for a while. I mean, the whole everything he's done with Sting, it's worked out. Darby Allen's been working very, very hard. They've been building him for a long time. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I refuse to accept the fact they just put the belt on him because it was in Seattle and because it's you know they they want to make the Seattle ha- crowd happy. No, Darby Allen worked hard to have the, the belt put, put back on him. I mean, for him to be put over by a veteran, a, a 24 uh, a, a year veteran like Samoa Joe, like you said, is a legitimate badass. You know, very well known in the wrestling business. I mean, you have to earn you have to earn your way to to, to have such a privilege. So I know that Darby Allen worked his butt off, and I think you know. As you know, you say like we want to slow, you know, like that because we all worry about him. Because like, like you mentioned, you know, I think you know soon they're gonna have, they're gonna have to put him in the in the title picture, and I'm talking about the world title picture. I could definitely see him and have having a feud, depending on who the champion is. Uh, I think him and MJF would have a great feud. Uh, they had one in MLW, um, but I, I think right now I think the the TNT title is a a, a really good spot for Darby. Um, you know, it gets featured on TV a lot more, uh, lets people see him. But I mean, I, I don't know if he can ever reach that that top level with with that style he has, because you have to have a champion who's going to be healthy and go out there, you know, and, and put on those matches all the time. Um, either way, though, great match. Um, it was absolutely correct to put the title on him, and it was correct to wait until Seattle to do it. That way, he does get that that home ground pop. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, the match itself was great, and. You know, and, and I'll be honest, I mean, the whole program with Sting and Darby Allen, I mean, at that last pay-per-view uh, when Sting and Darby Allen wrestled uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, I mean, that was a hell of a match. Yeah, 
Sting, um, dude, he can go, man. I mean, yeah, the dude's, the dude's 63 years old. I mean, we thought his career ended in that match with Seth Rollins, but, you know, he came back from it. Yeah, he um, he, he did, man. He's, you know, that's one thing. I definitely am glad that, you know, AEW opened up because it does allow him to um, kind of get that send-off for his career that I think he deserved, which he didn't get the WWE. They tried somewhat. It was just awful. Um, so it's it's good seeing him, you know, get, get that good send off here here now. And so love seeing that. Love seeing that. Yeah, I mean, My, uh, yeah, love seeing that. After Sting said how you know how he was unhappy with how things ended up with WWE, like you said, it's it's good to see that AEW is doing the right thing with him. And I really believe that he and Tony Khan are basically sitting down, talking things over. Like they're basically fully trusting each other, and, and that's the way to do it. I mean, when you're working. With a veteran who's been around since probably like I would say the mid '80s, who's been around for through many many generations, you basically have to. I mean, I would say I'd probably listen to him more. I would probably I would say what I would ask him learn from him more rather than me suggest things to him. I feel like oh, I learned from yeah. Sting. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that that's truly the way I see it, and, and you know Sting, you know even though like you know now that we're getting to the second part, I mean you know. I hate to do this to you, David, but when this whole uh, January fourth, nineteen ninety nine, I mean, this was a this was like about this was two weeks before my sixth birthday. So <laughs> obviously back then, I didn't even, I didn't even know that there was a WCW back then. I mean, if there was, <laughs> yeah. So I, I hate to do this to you, but yeah, I was you know five years old, and I mean that that day, January fourth, nineteen ninety nine. I mean, I was basically extremely green as a pro wrestler because. The event that officially made me a wrestling fan was the 1998 Survivor Series. And that particular match, Mankind versus The Rock, that Survivor Series, the main event, that's basically what kind of started that particular match because in that match, the double turn took place because people forget The Rock turned heel and Mankind turned face because that yep. match was a one-year anniversary of the Montreal Screwjob. So what did Vince McMahon decide to do in that match? Turn it into an angle. Turn it Rock into an put angle. put him in the... Put Mankind in the finals of the Deadly Game Tournament. Put Mankind in the sharpshooter. Shot Vince eyebrow. Bell rang. And you have the birth of the greatest sport. One of the greatest sports entertainers of all time. And the biggest heel in the history of the business. And Mr. Well, here he was the biggest heel. But just further cemented that. And then, but more importantly, it, it put Mankind as that sympathetic baby face figure that I don't think... Anyone who saw him as like Cactus Jack Manson or stuff in ECW ever thought he would ever be in that position. hundred percent. I mean, that particular match, I mean, that's what got me fully hooked to wrestling because I always say the Mankind character is pretty, is, reminds me a lot of the kind of kid I was back then, you know, learning, to, you know, a serious learning disability, you know, socially awkward, the kid that everybody thought was weird, the kid that everybody loved to pick on, especially even teachers because I was just that kid. I always feel like mankind is the, it was like the character of the kind of like what I was. I mean, it's hard to explain fully, but so I, I love the mankind character because I knew it reminded me of what I was going through. He was my favorite because he, you know, he, he wasn't ripped or jacked. He looked like a normal dude who just went out there and you know, <laughs> was a crazy mofo, you know, I was six, I was 16 at the time. So, I mean, I was, I was huge into my fandom attitude era and, uh, man, the match, dude, it was, 
you had, you know, uh, The Rock out there. He had the corporations. He had Shamrock and Tess and The Big Show. Then, of course, Mankind had all of DX out there. And just anyone who has who's never seen that match who's listening to this, go back and watch it and just listen to the crowd. Now, oh. into what they are. And that pop with Austin's music hits has to be, it's one of the loudest pops of all time. And just, it, it, it set off this, this chain, man. I mean, after this, we had the, you know, the match at Royal Rumble with him and The Rock, and then you had a halftime heat, and then you had the, you know, Rock <laughs> Austin at WrestleMania 15, and it just, it really built Mankind and McFoley into this main eventer, and, uh, I mean, The Rock was so young still, but so good, and, I mean, hell, you know, he, he wasn't even you know, 50% of who he'd eventually become, but he was still so good. I mean, everything about the match was perfect. Um, They were both red hot. And then, of course, you had Austin coming in and just it, Tony Schiavone's comment, and it just, it was the worst thing that could have happened to to WCW is letting people know that that's what it was. And I think a lot of people, because they didn't see Mankind as that anti-hero and kind of that anti-establishment, you know, when they heard Shivani's comment, like, oh, yeah, well, you know what? Just because you said that, I am going to go watch it. A hundred percent. I mean, even back then, I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, I didn't even know that Raw's war was was on a tape delay because everybody asked, like, how the hell did they know? Because remember, that particular episode of Raw's war was taped the previous week. This was aired on a tape delay. Like, mem- yes. and mind you, I didn't, I didn't learn this until I became a journalist. Like, you, you see, like, now going back to the whole thing, how how was my younger self at being picked on at school like Mankind? Like, because nobody thought I was capable of doing anything, just like the Mankind character. Like you said, not ripped, not jacked, like that, not the, not the most athletic. Like, nobody believes in him. So that that's why there's that connection. But, you know, I think also, you know, in that, in that particular match, you, you see, the funny part was, you know, my mom, I watched the match with my mom, and my mom, just to annoy me, was was rooting for The Rock. And, and th- what's <laughs> funny is when Stone Cold came out and, and and hit The Rock with a chair, and then there was the win. <laughs> you know, I, of course, being the excited kid, you know, I ran, you know, I got up, you know, threw my hands up in the air and was all happy. And my mom goes like, well, he hit him with a chair. He hit him with a chair. It's not fair. So, you know, had I been older, I would have said, yeah, every single heel that interfered and attacks mankind, you thought that was funny, but now... The baby face, now the heel suffers that, and now you don't like it. So <laughs> I always thought that was pretty funny how my mom was rooting for The Rock, and she was not pretty upset that the Stone Cold came out and hit him with a chair, and that was it. <laughs> it it uh, was great. And uh, it was actually 600,000 people who changed the channel. Yeah, it was. And and, and, and mind you, with Tony Schiavone leaking the results, those were under the, bit, uh, under the orders of Eric Bischoff. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, again, I don't. I don't think you can say enough about about that moment and what it meant for the, you know, the Monday Night Wars and just wrestling in, in, in general. And then, you know, the comment, then putting the belt on mankind, the build, Austin, The Rock. Again, it's just a perfect storm and a perfect moment in wrestling. I mean, that wasn't the only special thing that night. I mean, and, and we'll talk a little bit about what was happening on on Nitro, but you know, earlier that night. Shawn Michaels officially rejoined DX because I think pre- the previous week Vince McMahon. No, this is, you're talking. You're talking years, dude. 
This this wasn't the same episode. Well, earlier uh, the uh, HB, uh, HBK, like I think the previous week, Mr. McMahon, you no know, fired HBK's storyline. But then that next week, he came back and said, "You can't fire me. My iron, my my contract is ironclad." And and that okay, and that, when he was talking about when he was the commissioner. Yeah, HBK was the commissioner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about the 2006. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm talking like basically now. HBK was still under contract, but he wasn't wrestling because of that back injury he suffered in. Uh, I think it was in '97 in that in that casket match with the Undertaker. But so earlier okay. that night, um, so the, the corporation's in the ring, and then HBK interrupts and tells you know Mr. McMahon, you know you can't fire me because my contract's ironclad. All, the only way for me to go is would be if I were to resign. And then he tells Vince, you know, you're going to be in the Royal Rumble as the number two entrant because Stone Cold was, you know, number one. So, so that that, that was and I, that was kind of like the build up towards the end because I think if I remember correctly, later during the show, I think HBK was attacked. Uh, I'm trying to remember, so, man, it's been. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because when, when you think of, of that particular, I mean, if, if people go on the on Peacock to watch that episode of Raw's War, they just want to skip right to the main event. But you know, if you haven't so, seen it, definitely should uh, should watch it. Yeah, but you know, um, now what was going on in WCW? I mean, see, a lot of people say that WCW was already on the downfall, which can definitely, I, which I can believe. I just believe that the finger poke of doom—that's what basically guaranteed that WCW was going right down the toilet. Because now, for me, I mean, the finger poke of doom. I mean. Obviously, I did not like what I saw, but again, I was not a WCW guy, so I really don't have much of a say-so to be critical of it. But I think what was, what was the buildup is that recently there was the 98 Starcade where Kevin Nash won the title, you know, under controversial circumstances. And and people say people say that was actually the beginning of the downfall because it ended Goldberg's streak. It ended his momentum like that. I mean, I, I don't know. Exactly, there, but WWE was going down the. That's when WCW was really going down the toilet. Yeah, I, I think there's there's two main things that that killed WCW. One was the finger poke of doom, which so stupid. Um, and then the second was when they put uh, Goldberg and Hogan on free TV instead of putting on pay per view. I, I think oh, yeah. you can look at those as being two two huge things. But yeah, um, the finger poke dude was oh my gosh, it was so dumb. And it, you know, I, I completely forgot that those actually happened on the same night. And I mean, that just goes to show you, like, if you think about it, those those two individual moments, one on WCW, one on WWF, completely changed the landscape of professional wrestling. And it just kind of goes to show how like the littlest things and you know things that you don't think are going to have this impact, you know, the butterfly effect. Right. Because, well, because I think recently it, it was Starcade. Now, now I, I, a lot of wrestling fans, you know, critic, they, they, they're very critical of the particular pay-per-views of the 97 and 98 Starcades. I mean, 97 was Hogan versus Sting. You know, Bret Hart was the special guest enforcer. But, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, how the match was, was particularly... Uh, booked i mean hogan kind of being the dominant with sting you know almost getting very little to absolutely no offense in the match but you know um i think you know now what you have to keep in mind is you know you're right when goldberg won the title it was actually on nitro it was not at a pay-per-view 
So I think that was a mistake because these big title matches, they have to be on pay-per-view, so money, because people are going to pay money to see it. So, um, but I think honestly, um, also, because that particular night, I think Kevin Nash cut a promo saying he was unhappy with the way he won the title, that he wanted to give Goldberg his rematch, but I think Goldberg got, in storyline, got arrested because I think he, uh, well, well, it has something to do with Miss Elizabeth. I don't exactly remember the, the, the storyline reason why they got, why he was arrested. So I You're think that about angle, on that that nitro, yeah, uh, the same night, the, the the very nitro where, where the finger poke of doom took place. So I guess Goldberg get, gets you know in story, arrested in storyline, and then Kevin Nash you know says you know he'll challenge Hogan and he'll you know he'll put the belt up for grabs for Hogan and and then uh, so they they do that and then I remember you know Hogan pokes him pokes Nash on the chest he falls down he pins him. Everybody's confused, and that that was basically the the reformation of the of the NWO because the NWO there were they, there was the the Holly, the Hollywood the black and white versus the the Wolfpack the the red and black because so like that ah, so that basically made them both into one. I mean, a, a lot of wrestling fans that were WCW fans didn't like it. You know, no, I mean, I don't I don't think anyone liked it. It, it was awful. You had this. Um, yeah, I guess Goldberg had been arrested for stalking Elizabeth. Um, yeah. So Nash was like, that's a bunch of bullshit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fight Hogan. And then they come out and. Pokes him in the chest. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Well, you mentioned a lot um, of the downfalls. I mean, I think also, um, you know, because Conan, Conan actually said this in an interview that part of the downfall was, you know, the backstage politics, you know, the you know a lot of these wrestlers being part of the booking committee, you know, with their egos not wanting to put in put the right guys over, you know, like that. I mean, but the the biggest thing is the fact that Eric Bischoff made the mistake of letting the inmates run the asylum when he put these wrestlers in the booking committee and with their egos and the backstage politics. Of course, things are of course the things are gonna get out of hand badly. It wasn't even just the the backstage politics or the booking. I mean, it's just they gave him creative control. You know, they they gave it to where you know any one of them could say, "Hey, it's in my contract that I don't have to do this. I'm not going to do it." Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just exactly it's the case of the inmates running the asylum, um, and it just I mean, from there, it just completely went to shit. It, it it did. I mean. Some people tell me uh, that I'm lucky that I wasn't, you know, a w- that I'm too young to remember those times of WCUW. I mean, I've gone back and watched it back when there was the network, and I, you know, I've gone on Peacock a couple of times. I always say, like, the reason why I was not watching both back then is because I was too young. I didn't, even, I didn't know that there was there were two promotions. Yeah. Well, then there were those three. There was EC. There was, you know, of course, ECW. But, but yeah, I mean, now that I look at it, you know. Because for me, since I wasn't watching at the time, like, I, I feel like I don't really have much of a right to, to be critical of the finger poke of doom. But a lot of wrestling fans tell me, well, you've done, you've done the research. I mean, you seem like, you know what you, uh, you basically, you, we can tell you watched it and saw everything and they say I do, but I'm just thinking for me, like a finger, a, a poking of the chest and falling and then losing the belt that way. I just kind of feel it, like that's one of the dumbest things ever. It devalues your title. I mean, the, yeah. you know, in, in wrestling, you know, that title is what every, every man wants. That's what they want to fight for. That's what they're, putting their lives on the line for that's what their blood their sweat their tears is to get that championship and he's like okay here you go really it it was awful it was one of the dumbest decisions ever and yeah that's i mean you could definitely say the you know the main reason that wcw went under 
you know, from the creative creative side was was absolutely because of that. I mean, didn't uh, didn't Lex Luger also turn heel that particular moment too? Because after the match, well, Goldberg. Well, you know what was funny? So Goldberg gets back into the arena. What's funny? Those yeah. officers when they brought him in, it wasn't even a police car. I, I, I thought that was like one of the silliest things ever. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, that, that yeah. whole some some of their production and, and stuff like that was horrible. But yeah, because I think Luger at the time was a part of the Wolfpack, right? He and was. So yeah. you know they all merged together. So it ends with. Uh, you know, he gets Goldberg up in the rack. They hit him with the sun gun again. They spray paint him. It's man, it's just it was so bad, dude. It, it was horrible. So, so I gotta ask you. So, so the moment you were you so well, so you did you watch this particularly live back? Well, because remember, after Mankind won the title, I think according to all the the reports, Nitro still had like five ten minutes left on their broadcast. Because remember, back then Nitro was live. Raw's War was on a tape delay. Yeah, and Tony Shimani actually, you know, when they're getting ready, he goes, you know, fans who are thinking about taking that channel, don't. We don't want the other program. You know, Mick Foley, Mankind, used to wrestle here, Cactus Jacks about to win the title. That'll put butts in seats. And then 600,000 people switch their teams. I mean, had I been old enough, like, let me put it like this. If you and I were going to you know, high school together, close friends, you know, because of our bonding for our loving for wrestling, if, if 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 we were watching this at your house, you know, I would have said, I, I, I probably would have said, yeah, we're definitely changing the channel. Yeah. <laughs> it's free advertising. It's free publicity for your com- competitors. It was absolutely moronic. I've, I've said it many times. I mean, people can say, well, Bischoff beat Vince McMahon for 83 weeks. I'm like, yeah, but at the end, Vince McMahon won. You might win battles with Vince McMahon, but you will not win the war. Uh, unless you're a paralegal. Well, <laughs> well, unless you're Jesse Ventura. And Jesse Ventura <laughs> actually beat Vince McMahon in, in federal court. I mean, <laughs> no, speak, I mean, this is way off topic, but hey, y'all, I strongly hey. recommend Jesse Ventura is one of the best storytellers in pro wrestling. Yes. Oh, <laughs> man. But yeah. Overall, I mean, you, you, this, this day in history is huge. January 4th, man. Uh, Mick Foley beats The Rock, finger poke a doom. And uh, John Moxley says fuck a couple of times on AEW television. Moments that don't go down in history. Yeah, you know, you know it's funny. I, I wonder if Tony Khan also, the way the match between Darby and Allen and Somo Joe was built. I mean, remember, some, you know, like the baby face, you know, Samoa Joe attacks Darby's friend, and then Darby, you know, it starts like that, and then Darby supposedly gets hurt. The heel dominates, but the, the baby face, you know, is resilient and comes back. Like, I, I think the way they kind of played the match out was to kind of give everybody a little bit of nostalgia what happened with, with Mankind. Because remember, Mankind was getting beaten down. All the heels, you know, Shane McMahon, you know, with, in his referee t-shirt distracting the ref, and then Big Boss Man and Shamrock coming in and, It'll keep in mind, I'll never forget, I'll never forget, you know, had I been old enough, I would have told my mom this. If you're mad about the chair, mom, be mad at Ken Shamrock. He's the one who brought the damn chair in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It was, it was definitely fortuitous. I think it worked out great for Darby, being the anniversary of this, being in Seattle. Um, it was just about perfect for him. Good shit. Definitely. And, you know, this sounds silly, but uh, uh, Earl Hebner is, the way he counted that pinfall, man, perfect way to do it yep yeah i mean the pro i mean and not only that when stone cold you know flipped off mr mcmahon and then threw his threw his ball cap at him <laughs> perfect uh, 
Perfect. I mean, I'm just I'm just glad that the fingers were bleeped out because my younger brother, actually, you know, <laughs> many times you know, he, he, the way Stone Cold threw his ball cap, my brother found that pretty hilarious. I mean, he, he was only like about two years old, but he found that pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it I mean, was good. Not only, that, not only that, but the way the way The Rock sold uh, that chair—I mean, took an unprotected chair shot to the head and sold it perfectly. <laughs> well, um, let's let's be honest. Man. Back then, unprotected chair shots—you ain't really got to do a whole lot of selling on that. That shit's gonna hurt. Yeah, I mean, hey, talk to Mick Foley. I mean, twelve. I mean, not long, not long after, twelve chair shots to the head. Yeah, we need to do a watch along on that. That's a really great Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, I mean, the match itself was great—the I Quit match, but. But man, but yeah, January fourth, nineteen ninety nine, for me, I was already a, I was already kind of like a wrestling fan. Like, oh, I, I was like, okay, here's the fan I was before the match. Eh, this is cool. I like this kind of stuff. I, I continue to watch it. But when I saw the match, Mick Foley and The Rock, I was like, I basically remember telling my parents specifically rem- that Mondays I want to watch Raw's War. You write down the name of the channel. You find out what time it starts. Like, like that. I remember just being so specific with my parents about that. I'm not even kidding. Uh, and and that was it i mean i I was i was hooked i mean like i said survivor series of 98 was my very first uh event and then 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 that build up you know the whole story makes sense so so honestly if mick foley by any luck if you happen to be listening to this because i know i've tweeted out to mick many times on these particular days thank you because i let I, i let him know through a twitter that this match is what made me a fan now Mick Foley's never like I mean I've not, not seen him like or anything but I'm I, I'm hoping he's seen my tweet or I hope he knows that Mick Foley well, he's the he's the one he and but he and the Rock but that match that's what made me a pro wrestling fan for life that Mick match. Foley's the man dude like that's that's the one dude in wrestling I would give anything to me yeah I mean I want to tell Mick Foley that his mankind character I remind me me a lot of my younger self when I was at school from kindergarten through fourth you know through third grade. I mean, technically, like like that, because during that time, I was bullied and bullied badly, and you know th- yeah. that you know his character reminded me of, of myself during that time. I think a lot of and, us and, and wrestling our, was my escape. I mean, Mick, Mick Foley gave me an escape from what I was going through at school. So Mick Foley is a huge part of my life. Agreed. Yeah, but I think we got everything covered, David. Anything else you want, you want to say? Nah, thanks again so much for having me. Um, it's always great. Uh, bring, you know, Chaos Nation, getting out, talking to y'all. Uh, feel free to follow me, of course, Olan Johnson at ITZ underscore ALL underscore Taken at Twitter. And uh, thank you so much for having me, Alex. Look forward to next time. You're welcome. And a reminder that this show, Ringside Chaos, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. And remember, I will put out a tweet on the Bear of Texas uh, Twitter page. Who is the better heel, Piper or Flair? And you can tweet your reason why. We'll, and I'll be sure to keep the tweet so I can actually, when we do the episode, to remind everybody or give the results. And remember, if you know somebody that is a huge wrestling fan and they are looking for the best pro wrestling podcast in the world, then I assure you that Ringside Chaos is the show for them. David, thank you again very much. I can't wait to have you back on. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Take it easy, y'all.